Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. Well, hello. Today we have a very special guest, someone who I work with and uh, have spent some good quality time talking about the Lord and our faith and uh, look forward to many years of working together. This is uh, Deacon Kenny Eulage. And uh, Deacon Eulage, or Deacon Kenny as he prefers to go by, is a very studied theologian. He's a family man. Uh, I think you have four children? Four. Yeah, two boys, two girls. Make the big effort to make sure the two boys go to Jesuit uh, across the lake. He lives in on the North Shore and uh, also taught at Jesuit at one time. Yeah, yep. But uh, Kenny's a, a very, Deacon Kenny is a very special man in that he also, uh, do you speak Latin? Oh, no, no, no. I don't speak it. I, I usually butcher it when I begin to try to do that. As most people do. Uh, but he also, uh, his parish that he serves in is St. Patrick's downtown that still has a very, uh, very popular uh, Latin mass as well. That's right, yep. So, uh, Deacon Kenny, if you don't mind sharing with us, and as you guys know uh, on the show, we, we talk about a piece of someone's life that was a difficult time to go through, and their faith expanded during that period, as we all do. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk about a little bite to eat that we have, and we'll go into how Kenny, uh, Deacon Kenny, got his feet under him, got where he wanted to go, and further expanded his spiritual life. And this is a very spiritual man, and we're really honored to have you uh, uh, on this show. So, uh, Deacon Kenny, if you don't mind talking about uh, that period in your life where Things weren't going how you wanted them to go, and your faith had the opportunity to grow. Sure. Well, first, let me take the opportunity to say thank you for the opportunity to to be here, to to have the conversation, and uh, to certainly uh, talk a little bit more about the Lord and the Lord's work in our lives and the, the role of grace, David. I keep coming Amen. back to the role of grace. Uh, because any of the moments in my own life where things were difficult, uh, I, I've come back later on to to see the hand of providence and the way in which the Lord is is moving and working even in these difficult times. Uh, you know, as we were preparing, having this conversation, I, I thought about a couple different moments in my life that were particularly challenging. And there's there's one. You know, I've I've been involved in the grew up you know cradle Catholic, and and I've been involved heavily in the the church for. 25, 26 years now, since my senior year of high school almost. And, you know, I remember there was a moment where I I was, I had to suffer through a lot of um, gossip at the hands of people that were, were friends of mine, people that, you know, you, you, you think you should, they should know better. Uh, and the, the painful moments of that, uh, of, of realizing that your reputation is 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 being run through the mud, so to speak. I think that's a common thing. A lot of us experience that. And he, praying through that over the years, uh, I remember a distinct moment when I was in college. I was I was taking a, a class on Mariology. And where were you in college? I was uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio. And so Dr. Mark Miravalli uh, said something. He said, if you want to prove your Marian consecration, like the, the offering that you make, that we make to ourselves through Louis de Montfort or through St. Maximilian Kolbe, he says, if you want to prove your consecration, offer the Blessed Virgin your reputation. And I remember like with gusto at 21, 22, I thought, I'll gladly do that because my reputation is going to be sacrificed on the altar for the preaching of the gospel or, you know, something like that. And then you're not anticipating the way in which our Lord and Our Lady is going to ask you to offer something so incredibly painful and so incredibly important to who we are as our name. And in those moments of difficulty, it was the Blessed Virgin for me that that began to help me understand the way in which I needed to offer something that I was holding on to and offer that back to the Lord so that that could be sacrificed. Not, not for out of 
out of some kind of malice, but out of a, a way of purifying me so that I would not hold on to something that wasn't really mine. Because, you know, my identity needed to be rooted not in my own idea of who I am, but in who the Lord was really calling me to be. And so that's what allowed me to be, I think, and to move through those difficult moments, um, to really rely on on the grace that comes from from witnessing our Lord's suffering and our Lord's passion, and just tying ourselves even more closely to the heart of Our Lady as she she was witnessing her own son at the foot of the cross. Can you imagine? Oh yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we think of that moment in history as a um, you know a Charlton Heston movie of some sort. Sure, you have children, so you can't. We can't even fathom what that would be like as Mary watching her son suffer that way. It's incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people do see that regrettably with so much violence out there today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But wow. So you're, you're talking about where you're in a situation, people are gossiping about you, people who you would expect them to know the better side of you, mm-hmm. and that you would not participate in whatever the gossip is. And um, I think a lot of folks do identify with that. Yeah. I've personally been through that more than once. And it's easy, too, right? And I think that, that it's not even, and I don't even necessarily hold some of the people that were that are that get involved in gossip. Sometimes it's, they're, they're well-intentioned, right? I think sometimes it's, church gossip can, can be painful, um, or is painful, and it's wrong, but it's usually shielded around this concept of, well, we're, we need to pray for this person, right? We, we hide the gossip around this of saying, we, we, you know, David, pray for so-and-so, this is what's going on. And then it gives us the way of, of being able to have this discussion without really feeling like as if it's gossip. But because, you know, it's so easy to be able to, to not see the full story. And I know I'm blind and I've certainly fallen into it. And I, I'm not accusing anybody of anything that I probably haven't already done countless of times. It just made me more sensitive to it. Hopefully. Right? Hopefully more sensitive to, to the issues that other people are going through. Well, you and I work together for a company called Nations Loans mm-hmm. Insurance. We're about to change the name to Nations One because we offer a lot of different services. I think one of the root pieces of business for us, you're in the financial planning side of it. I'm in the mergers acquisition side of it and commercial loans. But our core uh, with John Bracato, who comes from a good heart. And I think um, when I first met you and saw the value that you'd be adding to this organization, I knew it came from one place. And uh, Deacon, it's uh, really, I just want to say on a personal note, it's a pleasure to have been able to work with you. And again, I have Deacon Kenny Eulich here at the table. We work together. And uh, it's been a pleasure when John told me you were coming on and uh, your background. I looked you up. I was like, wow, this is a real blessing, not only for me personally, uh, but for the organization that we do have this. Pray so. Uh, Yeah, we definitely pray so. But it's, uh, as you're talking about a difficult time of rumor swirling and people disappointing you going with it as opposed to shutting something like that down uh you know i've personally been through that myself uh so uh, hopefully most people haven't but Mm -hmm. certainly some have and you felt yourself being pulled closer to mary yeah how how did you go about getting there did you start saying the rosary more did you adoration were you already in that deep uh, uh, religious prayer time. I, I think I think I was. I mean, and, and that's not to say that there weren't moments of of, of anger or sadness. Um, but you know, that for for me, I was already on a path of of at least trying to follow after the Lord. And you know, for me, one of the my my go tos uh, was was the the story of of Saint Gerard. Right, recognizing that that here he is, you know, accused of of this this terrible thing, and and the amazement that I had of him as he doesn't say a word, right? And one thing that that really kind of struck me as I was going through it and praying through whatever it is, not just this moment, but but multiple others, it's it's the way in which we have to allow the Lord sometimes to speak for us, and the way in which we have to we have to say what we have to say. 
but there's no need to be angry, and there's no there's no need for us to 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 become um, to to seek some type of revenge out of anger, right? Um, but to know that the Lord's really going to fight our battles, like He's here to assist us in the fighting of these battles. So to answer your question, my my devotion to the Blessed Virgin stems back to my childhood and my my conversion or reversion back to the faith at the end of high school was really through her hands. And so for me, my entire adult life has has really always been connected. Um, I've always tried to stay very deeply connected to the Blessed Virgin through the Rosary and, and through adoration and through staying faithful to Mass. So, um, but it's 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 in the next step, right? It's in the next step of really beginning to allow those things to transform us, where we really begin to see the work of grace, like Saint Paul tells us um, that we're we're called to be these these living epistles. All right, a, 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 an epistle, so to speak, of the Lord, not written on stone, and that's that. I think is is really the work of prayer, work of contemplation, and the work of of what recognizing the ways in which the Lord is working in us, even kind of chiseling away these with these terrible experiences that all of us have, uh, not becoming bitter and allowing the Lord just to keep our hearts. That's supple, a key to it, right? Is not is uh, I drive across a lake every day. And I listen to, obviously, uh, Catholic Community Radio. One of the sponsors from TikTok, uh, Michael Delahousse, used to always say how the bridge was built for so in the perfect time for him to say the rosary on mm-hmm, the trip. It is. Yeah, it's almost perfect. And I, I have taken up that cross. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I rode over this morning with uh, our illustrious radio producer, uh, Christopher Tidmore, and uh, didn't get to say my rosary this morning. And uh, I'll come back to it at some time during the day. Sometimes when I'm saying it by myself, and I don't know how to fully say it, uh, but I do know how many Hail Marys and how many how Our Fathers. So I'll just say those and stack them up and then come back uh, later and finish it up. Sure. Very elementary. Yeah, it works, though. Uh, but it does. It she stores in, those things. She stores all those things in her heart, right? Yes, so. I, I certainly hope so. So. When you're going through this period, were you uh, married with a family? I I, I was, um, you know, and that was that was those were moments of um, of difficulty for sure. And I, I think that no matter what we we go through, no matter where we are in life, um, it's it's and sometimes I think that the difficulties can can bring us to a place where we recognize our helplessness, and that's that for me I think is the most important thing. It's not even so much what was going on around us because each of us are going to go through our own thing but moments of recognizing our helplessness because it's in those moments of helplessness that allow us uh to really be able to cry out and recognize that that in this in this moment i'm before the lord who alone can assist me and it's it's in him that i have to place my trust it's not in whomever it might be no matter what person or whatever is going on at work or you know the struggle at at work but learning how in those moments to truly throw our cares upon him and to take up the meekness of his heart and did you not respond uh to any one of those folks you uh just prayed on it yeah i I think it's that's for the most part that's that's really what happened and you know in the lord's time things get healed and for those of you who are just joining us, uh, this is Cross Training, hosted by me, David Anderson, and I'm interviewing uh, Deacon Kenny Eulich, and we have Christopher uh, Tidmore as our producer on this show. And uh, it's really fascinating to hear this episode in your life that was difficult to get through. Sure. And I think that best response, and if you do read Scripture— it is don't address. I mean, that is specifically what it tells you. Right. Do not address it. When the time comes, I'll put the words in your mouth That's right. to respond. That's right. Don't prepare for it. Uh, I will put those words in your mouth. That's right. And uh, it, it's a hard thing to do because your natural reflex, if somebody takes a swing at you, you want to swing back. That's right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's always difficult when you're going through that and people on your side say, you got to punch back. Mm-hmm. Say, no, no, I'm not going to punch back. I'm going to do it. I don't know if it, I do know it's the right way because I read it in scripture. This is the way to do it. It's a playbook. Yeah, but crucifying your will to that it is, 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 a, is a different thing altogether. Sure. And, and then you find yourself 
at some development point of actually praying for those people. That's right. And you are well down the road uh, at that point in your life uh, in a good way when you can find yourself praying for someone who has spoken negatively of you uh, to others. Yeah, and I think it's 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 a common experience in life. I mean, if we if we live long enough, I think all of us experience moments where where people are going to you know not just say mean things about us, but uh, we'll be the the victims of of some form of, of detraction or calumny. And when we begin to to reflect upon the the I guess the just the nature and the power of words, right? The whether it be to to tear down or to build up. And you begin to see the way in which we're, we're called to build up and the way in which we're called to, to build up the kingdom of God, not just through our actions, but also through our words and the way that we teach, the way that we speak, the way that we love. Wow. Um, I hate to say I'm glad to hear someone else talk about situations that I've personally been through as well right? Uh, and handle them pretty much the same way. Uh, so uh, you only hope people don't go through those situations. Sure. But when you're reaching out and trying to achieve and trying to impact others, a lot of people impact others in a positive way. Others will take any advantage to work that against you, particularly if they know you are a professed religious person. Certainly in our community, if those around you know that you're a Catholic, uh, they want to attack. And given the opportunity... They will. Well, the evil one's playbook is is only so thick, right? I mean, he only has so many plays in the playbook, so to speak. And we're fallen and we're weak and we're easily duped as individuals. And, you know, people that, that we know, people that we love, people that we trust are, are no different than we are in that regard. And just as easily as, as we can be led astray by something, so can they. And we begin, hopefully, to, to deal with, with others with a level of charity and understanding as we come through these things and see, you know, the, the, the flaws, not just in them, but also in ourselves and the way that we should be, you know, dealing with and tending to the needs of other people and the way that we speak. And I, I try to become more sensitive to that personally. So, well, I think that's a, uh, that lesson there is, is a good step off point for us to talk about, uh, a beautiful dish we have here, uh, from, uh, the TikTok Cafe. I think I said this the other day. I went into the TikTok Cafe the other day for the first time okay. after hearing more on Catholic radio. So you know, for so long, I went in. I was anticipating, a, you know, an Apple store or a uh, Microsoft store being a TikTok TikTok Cafe. Uh, it is. It is not that. It's it true. Does not look like an Apple store. But I tell you what, it did have was a lot of customers in there that were uh, eating well. And uh, the chicken fried steak was spectacular. Uh, and today we just have some breakfast, and it is equally spectacular. Uh, I will defer more to the chicken fried steak uh, for the next time. <laughs> but it's not good. good for your weight. It is good, though. But absolutely delicious. And I will say also the, the, the folks were particularly nice. And I've never met Michael Delahousse, uh, although we, I hope we're – crossing the causeway at different times, saying the saying, rosary. Saying the rosary yeah, together. As, right. as he's going south, I'm going north. And I don't mean that uh, figuratively. Uh, right. But, That's uh, good. Actual directional. But uh, yeah, I, I've thought about it. I've heard the uh, commercial and thought about it. I wonder if that guy is saying the rosary at the same time I am. It would be, it would be kind of fun to, to have that coordinated. And let me take a quick interruption and uh, reintroduce you. Uh, Deacon Kenny Eulage, uh, financial planner for Nations uh, Loans, Nations One, or Nations Insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've been in business. How long have you been helping people about, with their own finances? Years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 17, 18 years. So you have a, uh, a couple uh, minutes. For, for folks uh, that don't get to see uh, Deacon Kenny, he doesn't look like he's uh, been on the business block that long. <laughs> Especially with your significant weight loss. That's right. Thank How much have you lost? Uh, about 40, 45. 40 pounds. Yeah. And, and what are you, are you exercising, are you diet? What did you so do? I wish I could tell you that I, I exercise, but I'm not going to lie. Um, so other than, other than this morning, I'm breaking fast, I, I, don't, I don't eat breakfast anymore. So I just skip and I, don't, I just started doing intermittent fasting. So. Wow. Well, you are, Which is pretty easy. You're I, a testament. 
to it. Uh, it's, it's it's become quite easy. I I, I enjoy it. Do so. you eat lunch? At two, I go till two o'clock. Drink and, a lot of water, and then you have eat, when you do eat, it has to have some modified diet. Chicken fried steak, other Chicken, than from TikTok, other uh, other than from TikTok, and an occasional an occasional well, Thanksgiving was rough, right? I mean, we 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 eat a lot during the Thanksgiving break or whatever the I case. Put four might pounds be. on for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think I did too. I've so. got two of them off. Yeah, so it, it's slow and steady, slow and steady. So is, is your diet now? Has it changed? Are you eating less uh, a healthier diet? You know, we my wife always keeps it such that it's not stupid when I get home. I, my my goal is just not to be too stupid when I'm away from the house. That's that's the key is being 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 vigilant when I go and have lunch with somebody. So you've not eliminated carbs or no. You're just I, eating I'm, less. Just just eating less. Just being trying to be smarter about what we're doing. That's all. Well, well, it is. Uh, uh, I'm looking at your waistline, and it is well, just a short time we've been working it's, together. It's, You're it, down. It's. It's at truly, least 15, 20 pounds. It's truly just about the health side of it. I mean, that's this is all health. It was mostly about my knees needing a break. So, Well, you do have four children. That's true. You want to be around for as long as you around. can. That's I'm right. 61, and I have a 14-year-old daughter, so right. I've been trying to modify what I'm eating as well mm-hmm. just so I can be with her for a longer period of Amen. time. Uh, so two things I'd like to go into now. One is... How you share your religious faith with your children, mm-hmm. which is difficult because often kids will just reject whatever the parent is saying. Right. You've been able to modify that. We pray. Yes. And uh, once you got past uh, the obstacle in your life that uh, was was difficult time, how did your faith expand? Uh, did you do anything different? And go into your prayer life a little bit. How do you start your day? What prayers? And uh, yeah, finish I, on that. Well, I think you know, life is 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 a series of of difficult moments. I think there's a reason why in our prayers we talk about this valley of tears, right? It's never just one moment in our lives that's difficult. There's there's a series of moments that we have to go through and crosses that we have to carry, and we're always carrying something. And that's why I go back to the words of our Lord, where He encourages us to to come to Him, um, who's who's who knows how to carry our burdens and who wants us to take His yoke upon Himself. Um, that comes back to His meekness of heart. And so, you know, for myself, I, I wouldn't say that that my prayer life necessarily changed in the midst of anything, as much as. Uh, you know the, the the great saints and the the doctors, the spiritual writers in the tradition of the church, you know, constantly tell us about the importance of just remaining faithful to prayer, and and the importance of of remaining faithful and it's, and, and not being you know, what did Saint Teresa of Avila say that we pray to the God of consolation, not for the consolations of God, and it, that I think is is something that I, I try to take seriously just in my own prayer life. I'm not searching after consolations in my prayer. But I'm searching after the, the the God of consolation. I'm searching after Him, and trying to find Him in my prayer. So you know, for myself, I wake up. I mean, I, I, as deacons, we we promise to pray the the liturgy of the hours. So I pray morning prayer in the morning, uh, and I also then take some time to to do some lexio divina in the morning and pray with scripture. And that's kind of my morning routine before I go and wake up the boys to get them rolling and get them out of the house. I wake up. Feed the dog, start doing morning prayer, drink my first cup of coffee. Where do you do it? Just at the kitchen table? Yeah, I go sit in the other room and have a cup of coffee, sit down, get comfortable. And what time? So four thirty. Usually around four thirty, four forty five. Four forty five it's getting late, but four thirty is, is usually the time. Because that gives me at least thirty minutes before I have to start waking the, the boys up. And then, you know, I, I, I will begin, I'll pray my rosary during the day. And then in the evening I'll close out with evening prayer and with an examine. Wow. Four thirty. It's a yeah. I mean, and, nice time to get up. Um, there, I wish I wish my my schedule my schedule is more flexible now um, than it has been, uh, where it gives me the opportunity to be able to go to daily mass a few days a week, uh, which you know was not always the case, where it was a little bit more constrained. So I'm I'm thankful for the opportunities on the days when I'm able to get to, get to daily mass and find some time. Even if it's just ten or fifteen minutes, you know. So, so for me, when I drop the the boys off at school, I'll usually duck over. You'll probably find me at Saint Dominic, 
because I duck over to St. Dominic and I just kind of plant myself there and I can go and get 30 or 40 minutes of Isn't that a great, great peaceful great time? Place. Yeah, it's a uh, wonderful time. I, I duck in uh, St. Rita's when I pick okay. my daughter up from uh, Dominican. Yeah. I'll go in there. I'll try to get there a little bit early and uh, go duck in St. Rita's. And it's just wonderful. It's a, uh, When you line up yourself up mm-hmm. the foot of the aisle when you come in the church and you look right down that line all the way to the altar, mm-hmm. to the tabernacle, to the crucifix, and, and what generally there's an image of heaven mm-hmm. above that. You know you are in perfect line. Sure. It's a wonderful moment, especially if you're in there by yourself. Right. Oh, it is, uh, I guess, as you get deeper in your faith, it becomes something almost exhilarating to you mm-hmm. to have those moments. Uh, almost as a child riding on the old Zephyr. Uh, when it, we used to do that uh, uh, roller coaster, it's just I missed the Zephyr. I didn't. Uh, you're the yeah, generation I just, behind. I just just missed the Zephyr. Yeah, I so. had many great moments on the on the Zephyr. When you get older and you get more defined in your faith, and you find yourself in those situations in a church, you're the only one. Even if there are others, uh, and you're not there just because of mass. The obligatory Sunday mass. Sure, you're there because you had a little, a couple extra minutes, mm-hmm. and that's where you wanted to spend your time. When I go to adoration, wow, wow, sure, and, same thing. And, and yeah. people pay a therapist; they don't need to pay a therapist. Go to adoration, and uh, you'll get all the direction you need and the self awareness. And the, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, go to adoration. So as you got your feet under you. Your uh, faith was expanding. Uh, you got past that troubling moment in your life. Sure. Uh, how? Did, what was your next step? Did you leave that situation, or did you stay within the confines of that gossip group? No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think I. I mean, I, I think just by the the natural progression of things, um, there was there was a an element of, of separation, so to speak, uh, for at least a brief period of time. But, you know, I would say that at this point, I mean, that's, that's kind of so far in ancient history, um, for, for me and for them probably. And Mm -hmm. that's probably exactly how it should be. Uh, I think that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, what, what I think is, is imperative though, is to, to consider that, I don't know if, if I would ever define that my feet being underneath me after that point or even before that point i think it's 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 been that's just part of the journey i think you know continuing the walk um and recognizing that we maybe hopefully get a better perspective as we continue to walk right to going up this one hill experiencing a crucifixion and then experiencing a resurrection and i think we experience that in in married life too i mean being married for almost 20 years you you go through those moments where there's there's peaks and there's valleys there's resurrections there's crucifixions there's trials there's difficulties and as you've gone through one and you've experienced a resurrection after a little mini crucifixion whatever it might be in your own married life or in a friendship whatever it is it, when when you experience that resurrection it gives you the opportunity in the midst of the next suffering and the mm-hmm. next pain to be able to say look there is something on the other side of this and the lord is present just as he was present before because you recognize his faithfulness to you throughout all these other difficult moments in your life. And it begins to, to prepare you, I think, for that ultimate moment when, you know, what the saints tell us is that, that last moment of life, right, which is so difficult for us and so many temptations come our way to prepare us for those moments, for that final moment when all those rosaries we've been praying uh, have been stored up in our heart as she remembers us, but not just now, but at the hour of our death. Amen to that. How did you decide... Uh, and we're speaking with uh, uh, Deacon Kenny Eulich. How did you decide to become a deacon? What was that call to you? It, you know, it's funny because I, I don't remember. You know, when I, I studied to be a priest in college, so I was in the pre-theologate program, and I never really considered diaconate as being anything other than a nine-month, year-long transitionary period on the way to priesthood. And I think that's that's probably fairly common for for most people, at least was for a lot of the people that I was associated with in college. And in 2008, my wife and I, I told my wife that I was discerning, I started thinking about the diaconate. 
And we went and did the discernment for one or two of the sessions, and then we quickly quickly realized this is not the right time. And we sent in our From letter. a time standpoint? Yeah, it was just the wrong time. Our third child had just been born. Oh, my. And I was, I was partner for a financial firm, and I was working just a crazy amount of time. And it was at that moment we just realized this is not the, the right moment. Maybe 20, 30 years from now, we'll just kind of shelve this, and I can now say, hey, I, I had discerned it, and the Lord, Lord clearly said not now. So it was about two years later, they were starting a new class in 2010. And one night I was on the bridge and, you know, I, I was working 80, 90 hours a week and, you know, business was good, but business was exhausting and it was just, it was too much. And I just had a moment, David, where I, I literally just began to, to cry on the bridge. And I remember just knowing in that moment that, that I was not created to chase after the things that I was chasing after and that I was created for more. And I had a deep sense that the Lord wanted something different for me. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I just knew that something had to change. So I went home that night and I opened up a bottle of wine and I told my wife, I'm quitting tomorrow. And she looked at me and she said, thank God. This oh, is, wonderful. This, this, is, this has got to end. She said, this is too much. And she says, you know, whatever it is you end up doing, she says, I just want you home more to be with us. And so that was the, the right decision. And I told her, I said, I, I just feel like the Lord really wants something different. And that next Sunday, literally that next Sunday, this is May of 2010, um, a good deacon friend of mine over at St. Jane de Chantel and Abita, Deacon Franz, pulled me aside and he said, I, I, I put your name down and I think you should go and discern again uh, the diaconate. And so we got in the car and my wife looked at me and she said, something different. I was like, it's that. And so when we went through the discernment that second time, we made a commitment together. We said, we're going to go all the way through and we're going to apply. And we're going to let the bishop, the archbishop, tell me not to move forward, which I was convinced would be the case. I was like, this way we can really put this to bed and not have to look back. But then something happened as we started discerning it, as I started discerning it more, as I began to realize that this was a call that the Lord had placed on my heart. And it was it was something that eventually got verified and tested by the church, uh, which I'm very thankful for for the grace of that. Um, and then we just started. I started the discernment process formally, and uh, here we are, ten years later, eleven years later. And uh, a couple of my deacon friends have told me that moment when you were laying prostrate mm -hmm. uh, at the altar at St. Louis Cathedral is a moment that's inexplicable. You cannot explain it. Uh, divineness coming into you yeah they i i was convinced that they were going to have to bring a mop to clean up my tears as i was sitting as i was lying prostrate on the on the floor that was that was an amazing moment when you consider as they're chanting the litany of the saints and you consider that you are truly in the midst of the the witness of all these great saints as they're praying and interceding for you as you're about to to undertake this role of service um, and you think about the people that have gone before you that have also been on that floor committing their lives in the same way. Around the world. Uh, yeah, or even, just... even in that place, but around the world also, right? In the community of, of deacons uh, throughout the centuries. Uh, it's uh, it's truly, a, truly a gift. And would you say that was, um, as, we, as we enter in this next phase, I want to reintroduce for those that are just joining us. I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training on Catholic Community Radio. And we have the wonderful opportunity to be speaking with Deacon Kenny Eulage, who we work together. Uh, Deacon supplies uh, folks that are thinking about their financial uh, future and strategies to deploy that to make sure their hard work earns them a good opportunity in retirement. Um, one of the uh, thoughts that I'm, I'm having as you're, you're talking about that moment going into the diaconate, mm -hmm. would you equate that moment when uh, you're laying prostrate on the St. Louis Cathedral floor and you tell me you were weeping? Oh, yeah. Was that at the level of, uh, of when you got married, when you had children? I'd certainly put it. To that level, I mean, uh, it's 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 interesting just the amount of emotional, um, I guess, just release of that all the, these years of preparation. Uh, 
right? That, and then the significance, the weight of what's about to take place on the other side. Um, that begins to weigh on you. So it's, it's such a mixture of emotions. Uh, it's it's different than, you know, the birth of a child, uh, the, the exuberance that you experience there. And it's different even than the, the emotions that I experienced on my wedding day. Um, but it's certainly one of the great moments of my life, but just different. I think it had a different sense to it. But that was the moment for me on the floor where I had like the greatest emotional experience at my ordination was at that moment. I I can't even imagine what that must be like. I've had uh, several deacon friends tell me that that mm-hmm. was a, a very dr- dramatic moment in their yeah, life. It's true. I, I can only imagine. I had that moment when I saw my wife coming in the aisle, right? and I couldn't believe. I said, God, I don't know what the plan is you have for me, but you have bestowed upon me one beautiful woman. Plans and, for uh, your welfare, not for your woe. Yeah, way above... Uh, my my uh my good look grade uh so i married up in a lot of different departments and i was very grateful that day still am today 23 years later uh, just amazed that uh, god you put this woman in my life for a reason and uh i no that's it, uh, it's beautiful it's beautiful and we blessed with a child amen to marrying up <laughs> you resemble that remark as well oh, absolutely well most of us do. That's right. If we're fortunate right. enough. So you you decide to go back into the, pursue the diaconate. Mm-hmm. You go through the arduous process of discernment, year and a half generally. Yeah, I think it was about that. About and a then, year. And then you um, went through the five-year program to become a deacon. Mm-hmm. And now you're assigned to St. Patrick's. Yes. And you've been a deacon for 14 years? No, 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 no. I was ordained now. in 2015. Oh, oh, oh. So I was ordained in 2015. And, um, yeah, so I was ordained in 2015, and my spent the first seven years or so of, of my diaconate over at, at Most Holy Trinity in Covington. Mm-hmm. And then last September, uh, I was sent over. And was that your home parish? It was not. St. Jane to Chantel is my home parish. Gotcha. And the, so from... On your path to, to ordination, you spend a year or so as an acolyte um, doing certain ministries around the altar and, and assisting there. And so my year as an acolyte in preparation for diaconal ordination was spent at Most Holy Trinity. And then I was when I was ordained, I stayed and I served at, at Most Holy Trinity for six years as a deacon. And then last September was assigned over at St. Patrick's. Two different congregations completely. Uh, yeah, at least one's yeah. kind of suburban, right? Exactly. One's downtown New Orleans. Right. A lot of a lot of people coming in that aren't from that aren't parishioners, so to speak. They're right. visitors, right? Uh, how how do you? First of all, it had to be wonderful to be a deacon in in an area in which you lived in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was great. Uh, very family oriented. Great people. Yeah. Now you're downtown New Orleans, mm-hmm. St. Patrick's. That's right. Um, what's the experience like for you? So they're they're different, uh, and then at the same time they're the same, right? Because our masses are the same. Yeah, people are worldwide. It's kind of beautiful. People are the same, and and you know both are just great great communities. Um, you know the the opportunity of like you mentioned, uh, being on the North Shore where I live. Naturally, there's there's people that you already know. So many people that are in that parish, and you've kind of grown up with, so to speak, in, in so many different ways. Uh, but that's also true over at St. Patrick's because it's a, an interesting little fact that for years St. Patrick's was kind of like second home for my wife and I. Oh, um, well, that worked so out well. it really was, and it was just something we weren't expecting to get assigned there. Um, so we knew a lot of people there to begin with. And uh, Father Stan Clores, uh, former pastor of St. Patrick's, was a dear friend of mine and spiritual director for a number of years. Um, and I even proposed to my wife in front of the Mary altar at St. Patrick's. Wow. So that's wonderful. That's where we were first engaged. So, And I believe uh, you had made a recommendation to the archbishop. No, 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 no. In fact, what every year the, the diocese sends out um, notices or, or requests to, to deacons, uh, what's going on with your ministry, you know, do you? How do you feel about certain things in your ministry? Do you see yourself ready for a change? Are you looking for a change? What, what's on your heart? Those types of things. And for a, a number of years, um, I, I was I was beginning to kind of contemplate um, what that might look like. And you know, in the midst of that, um, the Archbishop actually 
through Deacon Ray Duplashain asked that I move to St. Patrick's. So I didn't even put in a note to, to change or anything like that. And didn't you have a Latin background? Not really. Um, so I, I think what you're, you're, you're asking about is the, the Latin mass that they yes. do over at St. Patrick's, yes. right? So I had begun just learning it, learning the Latin mass, uh, just because I was attracted to it. Uh, and I really wanted to learn it. I wanted to learn the, the, the tradition behind it. And I was, I was captivated by the celebration of the, the Latin liturgy. And you were studying that prior to being assigned to St. Patrick's. I was. And I would, I would help out from time to time um, whenever they needed a deacon to, to assist. And I really wanted to, to, I guess on this level too, is that I think I wanted to, to have an opportunity for a deacon um, to also be present um, with inside you know, a different uh, other communities as well. There's our Deacon Chris has been over at, at St. Patrick's for a number of years, 16, 18 years. Um, and you know, I, I, the idea of being at St. Patrick's was, was always a, uh, in the back of my mind is a great, great gift. Um, so without even asking the archbishop sent me there. So, uh, glory to God for the opportunity to be able to serve the people there. How many deacons are assigned to St. Patrick's? Two. Two, the two. Mm-hmm. And how many priests are over there? One. Oh, full time. Father, the pastor, Father Garrett O'Brien. Wow. Wow. So you guys pick up a lot of the load uh, with one pastor, I would well, imagine. There's, there's, a, there's always a, a number of priests that, that come and assist for different masses, um, that, that assist for different things. So I have uh, only been to St. Patrick's for a service, for a funeral or a wedding. Mm-hmm. I've not actually been to mass over there. Uh, but I do want to come uh, hear your homily. Uh, the next time Good you're heavens. on the yeah. uh, rotation to give a homily, I'd really like to come hear that. And uh, you can do some penance. <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't believe the deacons can uh, take confessions just yet. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Who knows? Who no, knows? I was just saying, listening to me would be your penance, right? <laughs> hardly, hardly, hardly. I am blessed with having heard uh, the homilies of uh, Monsignor Nolte. For 15 years, sure. and now at Holy Name, uh, Father Mark uh, Thibodeau, mm-hmm. brilliant, both of them, yep. brilliant homeless. And um, those of you who have just joined us, we are speaking with uh, Deacon Kenny Eulich. Uh, he and I work together, and he's a great influence uh, in our office here, just his presence being here, and everyone really respects where you come from, your spiritual side, so to deliver to deliver the financial service that you do, we certainly understand that you come to it from the purest of heart. And that's important for someone making those long-term financial decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not just some guy coming to, uh, this is a fellow who has a spiritual life that's deep, that's consecrated, and uh, gives you an air of trust, uh, I believe, that people really have a lot of respect for. So uh, thank you for being a part of the organization I'm with, but more Enjoy importantly, to be here. thank you for being a deacon because as we look in the future, deacons are probably going to be taking more of a role. Uh, where, where do you see that going? That's pure speculation. You certainly, I, right? certainly. I mean, I have, I have no inside knowledge of any of this. As a priest, uh, a friend of mine said, I'm not in management. I'm on the sales side. Well, that is that is absolutely true. Even more so for for those of us that are deacons. Um, as, as we were taught when I was uh, taking sacraments, they were going through the um, the different orders. And uh, Father Nile made it a, a funny point when he was talking about diaconate. He went through and he explained uh, the episcopacy and the the priesthood. And then he said, and then at a much, much, much much lower level of the clergy are the deacons. So we were all laughed because he was teaching a group of deacons and it was, it was a funny point about recognizing where we were. And so, you know, I think that the, the fundamental point that I would always come back to is that diaconal ministry is a, is a ministry of service, first and foremost. But it's a ministry of service to the altar, to charity and to the word, to the proclamation and the preaching of the word. So, but it's 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 in that threefold ministry, right? To the altar, to charity, and to the word. And the the icon of service that I think should permeate our identity is that of Christ, the suffering servant. 
Like it's it's not just to be Christ the servant, but Christ the suffering servant. And it's when Christ asks that question, um, you know, can you can you can you drink from the chalice that I will drink? Speaking of his own passion, and that's the chalice that we have the opportunity to drink from is to share in that. So it's in that spirit that anything that happens moving forward, as far as like expansion, and and I would think it would it would only be in the realm of 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 assisting in 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 parish administration, which we've already seen. I mean, that already happens all over the country where, where deacons perhaps who have had a, an, an administrative background or a business background, uh, when there's an opportunity or need come in and assist the pastor so that they can administrate the parish in the event that there might be multiple parishes that need to be pastored by one person to take up some of the load there. And, and, and I think that's, that would be the, the place. I know Deacon Rich Eason, uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. On a Friday morning prayer Great, group at the seminary, at, uh, he does a lot of the feeding the homeless uh, or the uh, the sheltered at Osmond Inn. Yeah. It's one of his ministries that he's organized through St. Stephen's, and he's super active in making sure that gets done. Uh, but I well think as some I other think ministries that's, as that's, well. That's that's where deacons. I think you see the principal action. Of of deacons of charity where they're service absolutely where we're supposed and and like I said the threefold ministry of of deacons recognizing their role with inside the liturgy and the way in which we help facilitate the sacramental mission of the church um, under the that of the bishop and under that of the priest working in conjunction to make sure for baptisms and you know for weddings and um, then the other part of it is is to to recognize our, our role when it comes to to preaching and to evangelizing and to helping the faithful to help purify the faithful and to work closely with our priest in the the the, the life of grace and, and helping convert and helping to not just our own selves but to to work towards really transforming the parish. And never, and always being open to seeing where the Lord is calling you, and where the Lord is calling the people to be, and to to working closely. So in that in that way, being ready to to work in some level of, of of ministry of service or charity for sure. If we all had that direction and drive, we'd have a much better society today. Are you seeing the uh, at, at St. Patrick's? Are you seeing uh, the church? Is it full on on mass schedule, or what's a, is it pews being filled or decline? What do you see going on? I, I think it's it's it, it naturally. I think it depends on the masses, right? I think you know there's there's always. I think most places have seen some diminishment since uh, we've come back from the pandemic or coming back from the pandemic, wherever we are right now in the midst of that, and. But this I think past some, week, I would have said the uh, pandemic was back was on. Back. You can hear it a little bit in Every, my voice. Yeah, a lot of people are, are, are back Lord, with it again, we right? Sick. So, but I think most of our masses are, are close to being where they were before. Wonderful. So we're excited about that. Yeah, I've seen that um, serving as a lector at Holy Name. The first time I got up there was uh, pretty nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. I actually rehearsed my reading so well that I really didn't need didn't read it. You were just saying it, right? Well, I, I delivered it well, okay. but I had memorized it. Sure. And uh, when I got to church, the sacristan, I wanted to get up in uh, in the pulpit and practice. And the sacristan said, uh, oh, by the way, you're uh, doing uh, the second reading. I was like, oh, no, I know the first reading. I read it a couple times on the second reading, but uh, it was, um, I got up there, I didn't make any eye contact with anyone, particularly my wife and daughter who was sitting out there. Right. How was your first eulogy? What was that like? Is it was a first it ne- eulogy or homily? Uh, homily, pardon me. Uh, how was that for you? Was it do you, was it memorable enough, or were you so prepared you were ready and it didn't make much of a difference? No, I, I nerve wise, I, I I was ready. I think I was ready. I, I should have taken the advice and not preached the day after my ordination. I was writing my homily the 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 morning that I was giving it with that's enthusiasm you know, family family coming in and I had friends that had spent the night over and oh you know, so we were in the midst of in the midst of all the crazy of of the celebration I I probably should have waited but it was it was a, a fantastic experience and it was it was an opportunity for me just to be able to to be back at at St. Jane with you know so many friends and and people that we loved 
um, even though knowing I wasn't going to be there as a deacon assigned there, mm-hmm. uh, it was special to be able to go back to St. Jane to, to give my first homily and to serve my first mass. Do you remember there. what time the mass was? I don't remember the time. It's probably the 11, if I had to guess. Oh my. It's probably 10 you or 11. put a lot of pressure on yourself. 10 or 11. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And, and as a deacon, you do do eulogies. Mm-hmm. You do baptisms. That's right. You do marriages. Mm-hmm. Anything stand out uh, there for you that was uh, particularly fun or took a direction you didn't expect it to? No, I, I, I don't know about taking it to a, a direction I wasn't prepared for, but uh, for me, I've always loved being able to do, to do baptisms. Oh, I'll bet. Baptisms. It's so much joy. Yeah, baptisms are such a special moment. When we, uh, my wife and I first married, I hadn't had an annulment. Okay. So we had a civil marriage, and Judge Paul Bonin did it, who was a former seminarian, and it, he gave it a really great feel. After the annulment, we did our vows at the seminary mm-hmm. with Father Joe Kraft, mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful. Uh, I didn't realize at that moment when we married 23 years ago civilly, I didn't, I wasn't where I am now with my faith, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how heavy the Holy Spirit would be there at the altar with me. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. As a deacon, people have gone through whatever process they needed to be to get right and to have a fully a marriage with vows mm-hmm. in the church. And to share that must be an awesome experience for you. Well, for five or six years, I, I ran the RCA program at, at Most Holy Trinity. So I became very adept at convalidations and working with people. And those were, were always special moments to, to be in the middle of their lives and to, to go through and, and help them through whatever it is they were going, you know, whatever their history might have been, um, and to, to bring them to that point to get them to the altar. So, was, Well, getting people to the altars is a good stopping point for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope we've inspired other folks to go to the altar and say, um, Lord, heal me. And I want to be in this place, and I want to get further uh, knowledge into my faith. And I think you're a great example, and can't wait to hear your uh, homily down at St. Patrick's. (laughs) Yeah, don't. I won't hackle. Yeah, don't. uh, I appreciate that. Don't don't set the bar too high, though. Oh, too many. It is already high. Too many expectations. It is very, very high. So uh, we want to thank you again. No, thank you Uh, very much. Glad to be here, Deacon Kenny Eulage, David Anderson, your host of of cross training christopher tidmore our executive producer and um we'll see you guys another day and if you don't mind we'll just end with a hail mary name of the father son holy spirit amen hail mary full Full of grace grace, the lord Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus Jesus. holy Holy mary Mary, mother of god pray for our sinners now at the hour of our death Amen. amen Cross Training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media.